0: Johnny Dollar. Uh, Johnny, this is Len Walker at Surety Mutual Insurance. Out there in the wild and golden west? Yep. Still holding down a desk out here in San Francisco. How are you, Len? What goes these days? Goes off is more like it, Johnny. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? Three neat, tidy little explosions that have cost us well over a million dollars apiece. Wow. What kind of explosions, Len? Rocket fuel type of stuff. Oh? Yeah. Where? Where? the Bascom Development Company. It's hidden away along the coast a few miles south. Bascom? So if you want to grab your spacesuit and pop on out here, well, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll oblige by sending you aloft on their next blow-up. You make it sound very attractive, Len. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Johnny. If you can find out the why of this and put a stop to it, we'll pay you enough to let you fly high and wide and handsome for a long time to come. Now you do make it sound attractive. Well then, okay. I'll start practicing on the first plane I can get. The CBS Radio Network brings you Mandel Kramer and the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Shure Mutual Insurance Company San Francisco office. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the top secret matter. <laughs> That's got item one, 199.27. That covers a taxi out to Bradley Field, the hop to New York, and from there a one-stop flight on out to the West Coast. At New York International, I thought I was the last one aboard before takeoff. But just as the big jet started taxing out to the runway, a well dressed gentleman with a well stuffed briefcase plunked it into the seat beside me. Well, looks as though I just made it. By the skin of your teeth, and you better fasten your seatbelt because... Hey hey, George! What? Why, it's Johnny, Johnny Dollar. In person. Well, this is an unexpected pleasure. Well, how's the prosperous businessman? Just fine, and you? Couldn't be better. You on your way out to the coast, too? No, just going as far as Chicago to our main plant and office. Oh, it's been a long time, Johnny. It sure has. Tell me, are you still a vice president of that big chemical outfit? I certainly am. Oh, that's good. You're just the man I want to talk to. I want to ask some questions. Oh, why? Hasn't your company got a hand like uh, all the others in the liquid rocket fuel racket? Certainly has, or I should say had. Hmm? Well, right now we're in the process of trying to turn down a contractor. <laughs> no kidding. How come? Well? Well, I, I shouldn't have mentioned it. Oh, top secret? No, not quite. Not exactly. Uh, top secret. As a matter of fact, it'll hit all the papers in just a few days now, so if you want to find out what it's all about, but now wait. Yeah? Yeah? Didn't you used to have a top security clearance? I still have, from OSI, CIA, CIC. You want to see my credentials? Why not? Okay, anything to get you off this big Mysterioso kick? Here, here, and here. Okay? Okay. Now, what's the big secret that's about to hit the headline? A new solid rocket fuel. Well, I thought a lot of companies were working on that. Had even developed some of it. They are and they have. But, Johnny, we now have a radically different one. That was developed in our place through sheer luck. How do you mean? Well, there's a young East German fellow, a scientist, I don't even remember his name. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, he has an up degree in chemistry from European universities to choke a horse. Yeah. Came to us for just a run-of-the-mill job in one of our labs. But a few months ago, entirely on his own, he came up with this solid fuel formula, handed it over to the company Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Mm. Big boys checked it. Now, thanks to him... Well, Johnny, it looks like we're going to be light years ahead of the hammer and sickle competition. That's good. Well, that's about all I can tell you about it. Whatever you say. Now, why'd you tell me I'm just a man you wanted to see? Because maybe you can tell me something about a company out on the coast that is also in this field. Oh, Johnny, out there, there must be hundreds of them, ranging from the big important ones like Air Search and Rocketdyne to little one- and two-man operations. Now, which is it? The Bascom Development Company is somewhere near San Francisco ask him, huh? Yeah. What do you know about him? Well? Nothing. You sure? No, Johnny, I'm afraid I never even heard of him. Oh, you're a lot of help. I'm sorry. All right, what do we talk about now? Politics? Religion? Women? Sex? Or something sensible like fishing? (laughs) those jets traveled, there wasn't time to talk about much of anything before George got off the plane in Chicago. By the time I had an afternoon snack and prepared to settle down for a nap, we circled and landed at San Francisco International. Item 2, 470 for a cab into Len Walker's office. That's across from the Sheraton Palace and my pals at KCBS. Now, where do you plan to stay while you're here, Johnny? At the Huntington up on the hill. Fine. (laughs) So grab yourself some dinner, get a good night's sleep, and you can take off first thing in the morning. Take off again? Mm Mm-hmm. I'll have a rental car sent around to you there at the Huntington. Lynn, aren't you going to tell me first what this is all about? Baskin Development Company. Yes, you said that much on the phone. Well, now look here on this map. Now? Now. You go down here on 101, then cut over to Route 1, then down the coast to here, a few miles south of Big Sur. Wait a minute. If memory serves me right, that highway is chiseled out of the side of a lot of cliffs that rise up out of the blue city. Right. So what can be there but a lot of rocks and trees and the ocean? A little well-hidden side road that goes down through the trees to a leveled-off spot on the very edge of the ocean. Hmm. That's where you'll find the Baskin Development Company. Only for security reasons, it's been made to look like a cluster of summer homes. You say they've been having explosions? Three, Johnny. And as a result of them, three deaths. That's where we've had to pay off through the nose. Why? Well, the men, they were chemists or engineers he had working for him. All had insurance that Bascom paid for. A cool million apiece. And he was the beneficiary? Half to him, half to the families of those men. Oh. This common practice which will e- of great importance to a company are concerned. yeah. Tell me, uh, just how much do you know about the explosions? I think you'll do better by getting that from Baskin himself. I told him you're on your way. Oh? Yes. Okay, Len, whatever you say. <laughs> Item 3 1280 for cocktails and dinner at the fleur de Lis. After all, I was on expense account. Why not live it up? After a good night's sleep at the Huntington, I took off. After passing through San Jose and Salinas, I cut over through Monterey and Carmel and hit California's wonderful one, highway number one. It took me through beautiful wooded hills and forests and then along the edge of the sea. It's a narrow, tortuous road with nothing but high cliffs on the left and a sheer drop off on the right, sometimes for several hundred feet to the ocean below. And it is a beautiful, beautiful drive. At Point Sur, That's S-U-R, means south. The cliffs are almost perpendicular, so the highway goes a bit inland for a stretch. And then I found the sharply slanting little side road that Len had indicated on the map. I had to make my way down it in low, low gear. And there at the ocean's edge was the group of... Well, Len was right. They did look like harmless summer cottages. But there was an armed guard at the entrance gate. I showed him my clearance and made a phone call, then directed me to the second building down the road. However, as I started to pass the first one, a small, white clabbered sort of building, it looked like, I heard a sharp, strange, crackling sound, like timbers breaking. I looked up. The side of the building seemed to bulge out momentarily, and then... Building began to bulge. I must have reacted purely instinctively, shoved hard on the accelerator. But by the time that explosion really took hold, I was almost past it. Nonetheless, my rental car rolled completely over with me inside, shook me up a little, but otherwise I was okay. From a building down the line, several intelligent but very angry looking men came running over, hauled me out as roughly as possible, then shoved me unceremoniously into the next door private office of Mr. Horace Alderworthy Bascom. Bascom, a slight, gray haired man of about 60, sat quietly behind his desk. Holding a gun on me in a way that indicated he could and wouldn't hesitate to use it if it became necessary. Until I produced my credentials and told him why I was there, then he dismissed the others, shoved the gun back into the drawer of his desk, and said, "I'm sorry, Mr. Dollar. We're all of us a bit on edge these days, and no doubt Doctors Harvey and Welcome and Young Franklin thought that you had caused the explosion there in Unit One. Doctors, Mr. Baskin, of science, chemistry, best I've been able to find. Oh, I'll tell you this about them." They not only have brains, but muscles. They're all experts in the field of explosives. Are they? The best. I wonder after what just happened. You were very fortunate, Mr. Dollar. Had that explosion occurred just a fraction of a second earlier... I wouldn't be sitting here, would I? Your body and the remains of your car were toppled over the edge of that narrow spot beside Unit 1 and ended up on the rocks some 200 feet below. No question of it. I don't doubt it. But now, aren't you concerned about what's happened to that Unit 1? In this window, it looks like a shambles. Yes, like a few others that have gone before it. Do so you want to take a look and see if you can figure why it blew up? I know I do. I'm afraid it would take far more scientifically knowledgeable minds than ours to determine the cause of this latest misfortune. And as you can see, Dr. Welcome and some of his aides are looking it over very carefully. Well, I still want to look, of course. And I sincerely hope you can accomplish something. Thank heaven this time there was no one hurt. We've lost three, Mr. Dollar three of our finest chemists during the past three months. So I understand. And each of them, I'm convinced, just when he was on the threshold of a solution to this tremendously important project of ours. Just what is this project, Mr. Bascom? Creation of an uncommonly efficient semi-liquid rocket repellent that will, I am convinced... It's semi-liquid? Yes. Yes, an almost unbelievably powerful gelatinous substance with all the energy of the complicated liquid fuels and the stability of a solid. Hmm. If I can develop it, Mr. Dollar, it will be the greatest triumph in the history of space rocketry. And I will have made it. I alone will hold the secret of it. And yet you're not a scientist. Well, in the purely academic sense, no. But without my aims and my ideas, without my money to provide the means for their experimentation, these men I employ could accomplish nothing. And that means that... What's the matter, Mr. Mr. Dollar? You are all right, aren't you? Oh, yes, sure. But as long as this last explosion just happened, I'd like to get out there and see if we, or maybe your doctor, Welcome, can pin down the cause of it. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Believe me, if anyone can determine it, Welcome can. But Welcome couldn't. Nor could I. In spite of Mr. Bascom's help in combing through the and we really combed, a lot of theories got aired, but none that led to any definite conclusions. Then, early that evening in his quarters, I talked at some length with Dr. Welcome about not only this, but the three previous explosions. No, no, I don't think so, Mr. Donner. It's it's simply that some of the materials, the components used, are so unstable, so highly volatile, and shock-susceptible that... And yet every possible precaution is taken, not only in the handling, but in the storage of them it. mm-hmm. Soundless... Someone were setting them off deliberately, as you suggest might be possible. Mm -hmm. An awful lot of people don't want to see our national rocketry program succeed. Don't you forget that, Doctor. Yes, but but someone here in this closely knit organization... No, I I can't believe it. Another thing, Mr. Dollar. Yeah? Williams, Thornby, and Brenner. Are those the three who were killed? Yes. Now, certainly you don't suggest they deliberately caused the explosions that caused their own deaths. That's hardly likely, I guess. Not a bit likely. And, Mr. Dollar, each of them was entirely alone in the laboratory when the accident occurred. You sure of that, Dr. Wilkins? Oh, absolutely. Tell me, was there anybody in Unit 1 this afternoon when it went off? Or anywhere near it? No, you were the only one near it. And you sure of that? Absolutely certain. Mm -hmm. Tell me something else, Doctor. If I can, yes. How close are you fellows to this... this rocket fuel? Well, Mr. Dollar, I believe that... Williams and Thornbury and Brenner were very close to it, each in his turn. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bascom and a couple of the other chaps and I felt they had found it. But now, of course, we'll never know. So, all the rest of us can do is keep on trying. You don't sound very confident. Well, sometimes it's very discouraging. And with the cutbacks in salary we've been obliged to take, but it's a challenge, and challenges are what make a profession like ours worthwhile. They and the opportunity to serve this country. Who sparked this whole idea in the beginning? Oh, I understand it was a young German chap that Mr. Bascom found somewhere aboard. What? Yes. What was his name? Um, Kellerhals. Hans Kellerhals. Kellerhals. Oh, I see. All right, Dr. Welcome. Gentlemen? Oh, Mr. Bascom. Well, have you found anything? Anything to indicate what might No, it uh, it doesn't look as though we have, Mr. Bascom. Not a thing. What's more, I've suddenly remembered that I'm supposed to be back in San Francisco tonight, so uh, I'll have to run. If, uh, that is, my car is still usable. I understand it isn't. But if you wait a moment, I'll bring mine around. Oh, I appreciate that. But your investigation... Oh, don't you worry. I'll be back. Well, I certainly hope so. Francisco? No. I drove Mr. Baskin's car out to the highway and headed south to the first filling station I could find. And there, after parking out on the far edge of the highway, I ran up item four, $21 even in telephone calls. And what I learned from them figuratively blew this whole case wide open. My first phone call was to George Langley, the man I'd met and talked to on the plane at his home in Chicago. Thanks to his information, the second call was to the young German chemist who developed the solid rocket fuel that they were about to announce. You guessed it. His name was Hans Kellerhaus. What Kellerhaus said to me about his reasons for having left the Bascom Project to work at one of America's big established reputable chemical firms told me more than I'd even hoped for. And then, to top it all, well, let's face it, it was mighty lucky for me that I hadn't taken the drive up to San Francisco because when I stepped out of the phone booth there at the little gas station. You know, I sure hope you don't need any more of my small change, mister. No, that was the last call I had to make, and thanks for the use of the phone. Well, don't belong to me. It belongs to the phone company. Well, oh, thanks anyway. <laughs> uh, say, now, uh, maybe you want to drive your car over to this side of the road and fill her up, maybe? Might not be a bad idea. Though <laughs> why you parked along that edge over there so close to that drop-off, I'll never know it. <laughs> Hey, look! See? I see, all right. Well, but one of the tires must have went, you see? Well, she's rolling on over down the cliff. One the tires? Oh, no. What'd you say? Did you hear that little explosion? See the way that car sagged over? Well, yeah, I guess I did. It must have had a time mechanism. Huh? If that happened the way it was supposed to while I was tearing up this crooked highway on the way to San Francisco, nobody would ever have known. Uh, listen. Yeah? Uh, is that your car over there, beside the station? Well, well, sure. Look, Peter, uh... Here, here's a hundred bucks for the use of it just for tonight, okay? Are you kidding? Sure, it's okay. Okay, then. Give me the keys. Luckily, the same guard was on duty and he let me through the gate to Baskin's setup without question. And more important, without announcing me. In the darkness, then, I slipped the lock on the door of Baskin's office, went inside pulled down the shades, put on a light, and looked around. And I finally found it. A small switch under the sill of the window facing out to where Unit 1 had been. And if those wires on it had led underground to some kind of a detonator there in Unit 1 this afternoon... Mr. Dollar! Better come in, Mr. Bascom. Yes, I certainly will. Just sit down there at your desk, where? Well, of course, if you like... Break your way in here? You, uh, want to tell me why, <laughs> Mr. Baskin? Why? Why what? Afraid I don't understand. I want to know your reasons for the explosion. Y- what? Well, well, you're implying that I was responsible for the Mr. Dollar? Entirely. And you honestly think that you can prove a wild assertion like that? Yes, I honestly think I could. Otherwise, instead of sitting here talking with you, don't you think I'd be out and around investigating further? Yes, I suppose you would. Let's look at some facts. Like the explosion this afternoon that nearly killed me because you knew I was coming here. The switch I found under the windowsill. Well? Yes. And your help in combing through the ruins? Help? Or careful misdirection?